Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We are looking for your support. The Tortoise Shack relies on you listeners because we have no ads, we have no sponsors. We are purely member-led and member-driven. So if you can, click that link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It's at the top of the podcast you're listening to right now. Have a look around and see if there's a level that suits your budget that helps us keep these conversations going, mics on and bills paid. You can try it for a month. There's no long-term contract. You don't have to stick around, but there's tons of extras, including access to our entire back catalogue, all our podcasts in one consolidated feed, and you don't have to listen to me beg. So that's an incentive in itself. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lost in Implementation podcast. This limited series being hosted by the Tortoise Shack with special thanks to Tony Groves for production is for the 25th anniversary of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. On this podcast, we are having the sometimes difficult conversations exploring the unfinished work of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement and asking the question of what next? Today's episode is looking at integrated education. And I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Kasky, the head of campaigns of the Integrated Education Fund, and MLA Kelly Armstrong from the Alliance Party, Strangford. Kelly and Paul, you're very welcome. Hello. Thank you. Hi, Emma. So just to uh, give us a little bit of context here, if we look to the agreement itself, the agreement does recognize that an essential aspect of the reconciliation process is the promotion of a culture of tolerance at every level of society, including initiatives to facilitate and encourage integrated education. It also places a statutory duty on the Department of Education to encourage and facilitate provision of integrated education. So I'm going to come to you first, Paul, and just ask if you can give me a little bit of background about yourselves, the campaigning work you do, and I suppose the history of why this is important. Thanks, Emma. Yeah, well, I, I work with an organization called the Integrated Education Fund, which has been in existence now for just over 30 years. And uh, the whole growth of integrated education has been in the hands of parents, and more recently schools themselves, as opposed to being planned for effectively by government. So in setting up integrated schools and supporting the development of those schools, it's important that we have organizations like ourselves, because there's enormous barriers that parents and schools have to overcome and a lot of work to be done. So we're really there to stand behind them and have been involved in that work for 30 years. Uh, more recently, empowering parents, empowering schools and empowering local communities to have a look at integrated education. So our approach has very much been a bottom-up approach, uh, supporting at a grassroots level uh, and trying to attract supporters and funders uh, to help us with that work. Uh, I think I would finish by saying that you know one of the, one of the absences we have is a top-down support uh, at a government level. And despite, obviously, the Good, Good Friday Agreement, despite a 1989 education order, uh, that Lord Bowinnie uh, was brought about, it's always still proved a struggle uh, to get integrated education to be planned for effectively in Northern Ireland. And why would you say, Paul, that integrated education is important in Northern Ireland? I suppose for context as well, you know, we have a, a segregated education system in general here with um, quite a lot of division in terms of how the schools are set up. They're currently only 7% segregated, I believe. Is that correct? There's just under 8% of children currently attending what we would call formal integrated schools. Those are approved integrated schools. The level of mixing within the rest of the education system is still relatively low. We have some schools where they have mixed enrollments. 
but we still have a third of our schools in Northern Ireland which don't have a single pupil from a different tradition to whatever the main tradition that that school would cater for. So, I mean, these are statistics, but less than 2% of children attending the Catholic schools in Northern Ireland uh, come from a Protestant tradition and less than 8% uh, within our control schools from a Catholic tradition. So we still have a very largely separate uh, education system for, for our people. That limits, clearly limits, the opportunities for young people to meet, to get to know each other, to work together and learn together in school. And it limits the opportunities to have mature, sensible discussions around what, what might seem to be as difficult issues. So, look, a lot of what we do rests on very simple contact theory, is that when people get to know each other, get to understand each other better, uh, then hopefully that will lead to a more respectful understanding society at large. And Kelly, you uh, sought to do something about this uh, slow pace of progress with your private members bill, which was successful. Tell us a little bit about that bill and what motivated you to do that. Um, I'm obviously with the Alliance Party, it's seen as a cross-community party, but in my own private life, um, I'm in a mixed marriage, not just a man and a woman, but I'm also in a Catholic Protestant um, marriage. My family, um, I was born in 1970 through the Troubles, um, and my family had been mixed the whole way through, so it was natural for me that when my daughter was finally of school age, that um, she would go to an integrated school where she could celebrate all aspects of her family. Um, it was somewhat surprising to me that my choices were very limited in the area that I was. If I had wanted to send her to a state-controlled school or to a Catholic-maintained school, I had lots of options. But with the integrated school um, that we picked, um, it was the only one that was available in the area. And as my time as a politician moved forward, um, I was struck by the fact that although we had committed to integrated education, there was very little being done about it. There was a lot of vested interests working against the growth. And as Paul has said, most integrated, in fact, all integrated schools that have been set up in Northern Ireland have had to be set up by parents, not by government. Um, and those that have has, had transformed, again, it's been driven by parents as opposed to government. And although um, government was supposed to help to facilitate integrated education, it wasn't happening. So when I became an MLA back in 2016, one of my first activities was to put in front of the speaker a proposal for a private member's bill to develop further integrated an integrated education act. Now, we spent quite a bit of time researching on that to get it to um, the final piece that you have today. Um, it was extraordinarily difficult to get that piece of legislation through. And although it, it was successful, um, the old arguments against integrated education came out throughout that whole debate, um, which was somewhat discouraging when you think that we're 20, well, at that stage, 24 years on from the Good Friday Agreement. Um, that's why we had to move with legislation. We had to actually force people to take forward integrated education as opposed to allowing it to um, naturally develop because, to be honest, we were being hindered with those vested interests. And, and I mean those vested interests were the CCMS, Catholic Catholic schools, it was the state system through the education, Department of Education, successive ministers were not taking it forward. There was more of investment in shared education than there was in integrated education. Um, and our young people, and, and to be honest, parents, many, many surveys were saying that they wanted children to be educated together, but the system was falling behind. So that's why we needed to take forward the education to define what integrated education is what an integrated school is, and um, to make sure that we weren't being lost in the in the myriad of, of definitions that were being used as every excuse under the sun rather than putting children together 
um, to play and learn together in classrooms. And tell us a little bit about those definitions that were established. So in this bill, um, we wanted one of the accusations that I would have received quite often is that sure every school is integrated, but just because a door on the school is open that anyone can apply to it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you as the pupil would be celebrated within that school. So when we talked about the meaning of integrated education, we came down to people or children being educated together in an integrated school, comprising those of different cultures and religious beliefs and of none, which wasn't included before, including reasonable numbers of both Protestant and Roman Catholic children or young persons. That was already in legislation, but everybody kept on thinking there are nobody else but Catholics and Protestants. Um, and we also added into that those who are experiencing socioeconomic deprivation and those who are not, and those of different abilities. So when you look at that, you go, well, sure, most schools can do that, but it's the intentional celebration of the difference that's key. Um, so we said that in an integrated school, it is a school which intentionally supports, protects, and advances an ethos of diversity, respect, and understanding between, again, those of different cultures and religious beliefs and of none, between different socioeconomic backgrounds and between those of different abilities. Um, and that is a very clear definition that now the Department of Education has said helps them to be very clear on that. It also supports um, what Justice Tracy had said with regards to um, his ju the judicial review um, with Drumra, which is that integrated education is as much of a standalone concept as Catholic maintained schools are or state schools are. So um, it has been very key for me to make sure that at this current period of time, when we have um, many different school sectors, that integrated schools and integrated education is protected and its ethos is defined. Well, it's hard to find anything to disagree with uh, in that definition, Kelly. So I wonder if maybe you can outline some of the the pushback that you received in terms of uh, where does that reluctance come from, that aversion that you had to go up against for integrated education? I think largely the problems were that um, it, education in Northern Ireland has become like a business. And when you have a competitor that may um, take away some of your marketplace, then you're going to fight against that. And that's what I saw. There were um, basically the other businesses, the other types of education saw integrated education as a competitor. So if more parents wanted to send their children there and there was more capacity to be able to send children there, then their type of business, their type of school wouldn't get as many people. And to be honest, that was basically the the the, the main reason behind the the objection to it. Um, many people understood, of course, that educating children together wasn't going to erode their religion, wasn't going to take away who they were. It was, I think, to be honest, it was largely down to the vested interests. Mm -hmm. um, there was also an allegation from some that it would erode down religious um, controls or religious input in Northern Ireland. What a lot of nonsense, because in integrated schools, we have a mixture of lots of different children of all faiths and of none, and they can intentionally find out about each other. You know, so we ask questions. What does being a Jehovah's Witness look like? What is it? What's it like for an atheist? What's it like for um, a Muslim? What's it like for a Catholic? What's it like for anyone? Um, and it's, it's intentionally celebrated. You know, it's not a case of you're a Catholic. What does that mean? You know, it's actually, okay, May is for the Virgin Mary. So let's celebrate that. When it's Diwali, we do something about Diwali. You know, it's, it's that intentional. And I think, to be honest, that's where a lot of people struggled 
um, and they assumed that there was some sort of criticism about state schools or Catholic schools because Integrated was held up to be this better model. I think it is a better model because it does bring children together. But we recognised completely throughout the, the debate on the bill that there are other types of schools in Northern Ireland. And while they can be supported to exist, why couldn't integrated education? So that's why, where a lot of the argument came against. Um, there were a lot of very technical arguments against as well. So a lot of, um, especially on the, the DUP side, for instance, they talked about hadn't done enough consultation, even though we'd spent years consulting with people, children, adults, had met with so many educational bodies that to be honest, we were exhausted, but um, we worked very hard. It was probably the most amended piece of legislation because we negotiated with others and we brought their fingerprints onto this bill so that it could be inclusive. Um, we actually used that integrated ethos to try to create a piece of legislation that would be inclusive um, and that different parties would see um, their input to it. But um, at the end of the day, all of those political parties or most of those political parties voted for this piece of legislation. It was passed. Since then, there's a bit of work to be done about um, unionists who voted against on block, who believed that, you know, integrated schools were going to receive more money, that integrated schools were going to be the death of, of state schools. Um, none of that has happened a year later. So it's been interesting to see now that um, CSSC, the Controlled Sector Schools Council, if I'm right in that def uh, that acronym, um, have since come out to say perhaps they were a little heavy handed at the time of the, of the, the debate and the letters that were sent out perhaps weren't this fair. Um, I've also spoken with CCMS representatives since and um, yeah, it's time to move on. We have our legislation now and very shortly we will have our integrated education strategy coming forward. So, Excellent. And Paul, I wonder if you can give us a little bit of information. You were saying there about how, you know, to date, this is largely parents that have been having to go through this process. What exactly is the process that parents have been going through? Okay, there's um, there's effectively only two pathways at the moment to create an integrated choice uh, in, in a local community. And basically the first one uh, is where parents, let's say the three of us were, were all parents and we didn't have a school, an integrated school locally. We would actually have to come together to meet try and get the interest of other parents within our local community and actually begin the process, which is an incredibly difficult process, of actually setting up a school in your local And to go through all those processes, uh, through recruitment, through trying to find the capital support, and that's where the two charitable organisations, the Integrated Education Fund and the Northern Ireland Council for Integrated Education, will provide support and guidance to those parents in helping to establish their school. The second pathway, uh, which is the one that's most common at the moment, is the pathway of what we call of transformation. And that effectively is a democratic ballot that is, takes place within a school where a simple majority of parents, if they desire their school to transform into an integrated school, will mean that the Board of Governors of that school will have to publish a development proposal to that effect. Ultimately, the decision on transformation rests in the hands of a, of a Minister of Education normally, or a Secretary possibly, in our, in our current situation. But again, as Kelly said earlier, that places parents at the very heart and center of, of the integrated process. And, and it's about how we measure that demand going forward. Mm -hmm. Kelly will be very aware. She's talked about a strategy. The most exciting thing about this legislation is actually trying to answer that question. How can we meet the demand for integrated education? 
And my organisation and others are not out there saying all schools in Northern Ireland must be integrated schools. We're not saying anything like that. What we are saying is where there is parental demand for integrated education, that that choice should be to parents. And that's what we hope that this uh, the legislation can deliver going forward in Northern Ireland. I mean, it's, it's madness to think that a charity such as ourselves has, has spent the last 20 odd years raising money to go out there to carry out surveys. Sometimes they're Northern Ireland wide attitudinal surveys, sometimes it's micro poll. We've been involved in deliberative polling. They're all taking the barometer of public opinion. But we've also been involved in investing in initiatives like community conversations, dialogue. We actually get communities coming together to discuss these issues. And, and at the moment, we're looking at the issue of rural schools through our whole Future Schools program. So um, if you take a situation, and we have many of them in Northern Ireland, where we've got two schools, let's say they're primary schools, serving one village, both of which, and perhaps even just one of them, is deemed unviable in, in terms of their enrollments within the eyes of the Department of Education. And we're trying to encourage schools to have a look at this for the future and say, look, start the conversations don't wait till somebody comes along and says, you know what, we're closing you next month or next year, and suddenly communities go into panic. Why don't you begin the dialogue process now to see what education could look like in your, in your local community? So, that, so that's just some of the work that, we, you know, that we're involved in all the time. But I'm hopeful that the legislation we got through will at last start to address this issue of meeting the demand uh, for integrated education. Yeah, it's a point. good point there around the rural aspect of this as well, because actually... I live quite close to Five Mile Town and it's an example of that challenge where the Catholic school is under threat of being closed down due to a lack of enrollment. Uh, and there's another school in this very small town, not even a town, it's a village uh, that is a state school. And um, there are, you know, some conversations around whether or not there could be integration between the two. But there's also a nervousness uh, that's been reported quite a bit here in Five Mile Town around the idea that to do so would be eroding uh, the Catholic faith from from that system. So there is that challenge, I suppose, in getting the, the balance right of understanding um, how these um, structures and schools can really be very inclusive for all faiths and none. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're eroding any kind of religion from the system. Uh, and it's something that we still have to work on, particularly in rural areas, because they would be perhaps a little bit more steeped in religion th than some of the more uh, urban parts of Northern Ireland. Well, uh, this, is what, this is one of the myths, Sam, that we're faced with. Is that yeah. The people sometimes don't, you know, they don't realize that, let's take the case of integrated primary schools, that those schools are catering for the main, obviously, main tra Christian tradition. And as Kelly's outlined, trying to accommodate other faiths and none as well within the school. So Catholic children are prepared for the sacrament. They, they go through that process within an integrated primary school. So we're, you know, we're very keen to point that out. And obviously, uh, religious education, the study of it is compulsory. So, you know, there's a lot of things out there that people aren't quite sure about in terms of what does an integrated school look like. Uh, and I think that's one of the things, obviously, you can do so much as a charitable organization. Mm -hmm. That's something I think government, particularly the department, can help with as well. Let's erode some of these myths and half-truths about what goes on inside an integrated school. Uh, mm -hmm. That somehow they're neutral spaces that you don't have an identity. Uh, or I know they, they apologize later on, but when John died, Senate integrated schools are, are more about paying homage to the Queen and denying Gaelic culture. Well, John apologised for that in the Assembly, which we were grateful for in the end. But this is some of the nonsense that gets peddled, as if our, as if our cultural identities and different religions can't be accommodated within an education system. 
And I suppose just to to kind of bring ourselves to a close on this conversation, Kelly, what do you think needs to happen next? That point about myth busting, I think, is a good point. Um, I think that what, as as Paul has mentioned there in Section 5 of the New Integrated Education Act, it asks the department to identify, assess, monitor and aim to meet the demand for the provision of integrated education. And this is what needs to happen now in the strategy that's coming forward. I know that they're having a lot of difficulties. How are they going to meet this demand? Um, how, the next steps is how soon do you ask parents what type of school they want their children to go to? Is it very early on? Is it when they're going to start nursery or primary school? And this is all the stuff that we want the department and the strategies to start to work towards. Why is it that I'm I'm a Catholic. My daughter was brought up a Catholic. She went to an integrated school. She has her sacraments. She's not a second class Catholic. And we need to change that narrative because the teachers that teach children are all going to the same teacher training colleges um, across Northern Ireland, whether it's Stramalus or St Mary's. Well, there's another one. We need to bring our, our teachers together on that. Mm-hmm. But I think that the next stage really is how will they identify parental demand for types of schools and to provide the places? Because why should integrated schools be the schools that turn away more children? The Good Relations report that was published for 2022 confirmed that one in five children that apply for an integrated school cannot get a place in it. And that's largely because they're oversubscribed mm-hmm. or there is no integrated option in their home area. So we need to, um, if we're going to respect parental choice, we need to respect it for all types of schools. Now, ultimately, we may be looking for a single education system Mm -hmm. um, where all children go to the nearest local school that happens to be the good school and we can cut down the amount of transport. But until then, while we have our current system, integrated education has to be able to deliver for the parents that want that as their choice. And I think, to be honest, we are asking a big question of civil servants who are going to have to change the way that they have operated because in the past, uh, a cul-de-sac of houses has been built and they look at the demographics and the census and they say, oh, that's a Catholic area, so we'll put a CCMS school in there or that's a Protestant area, so we'll put a state school in there. Now they'll have to actually ask communities. And what Paul raised earlier and something that the Integrated Education Fund have done quite a lot of work on would an area rather have a school that all children can go to or would they rather lose having a school? Mm-hmm. So let's work on that and let's enable local education to be provided for our children so they spend less time in a bus and more time in the class together. Mm-hmm. And Paul, what, what's next for uh, IEF? Well, we, we've set our stall out. We, um, we will continue to push from the bottom up with the grassroots. We'll continue to support parents and schools. Uh, we've set ourselves an objective. We want to get to 100 integrated schools in Northern Ireland as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, I think you've seen since 2019, there has been 18 positive parental ballots held in schools right across Northern Ireland. Some of them have been, yes, small rural schools, arguably looking for a sustainable future. But we've also, we're going to say, as you've probably seen in the headlines recently, the largest post-primary school in Northern Ireland is currently ballot, balloting its parents on an integrated future. So. I think we've seen remarkable growth and demand for integrated education over the last three or four years. I think a combination of Kelly's work with the bill and the attention that that has drawn to integrated education has been invaluable. I would also say that the work that we're doing on the ground to empower parents to act, this isn't about us. I mean, we're, we're just an organization that responds to, to the will of parents, but we're seeing them coming forward like never before in larger numbers, looking for a better future because they're better informed and they're prepared to act. So I'm very optimistic. We know it's a long road ahead. You don't change education systems that have been around for 100 years overnight. But I think we're, we're setting our, ourselves well on the way. And a wee bit more top-down support from government 
will, uh, I think, make a difference. That's a great note to end on, an optimistic note, which sometimes is a, a bit of a change for some of these conversations. Thank you, Paul. Thank you both thank so you much Emma. for tuning in. And um, I really appreciate your time. And thank you to everyone at home that is listening. Do subscribe. And we will see you next time in the Lost in Implementation podcast. Thank you. Thank you.